0: minutes a day 365 days a year
1: this is the pack a day podcast what is up green bay packers fans welcome back to another edition of pack a day podcast the the picture in we know who they are edition of pack a day podcast my name is jacob morley you can find me on twitter at jacob morley i am joined today as always by my co-host ross uglum you can find him on twitter at Ross Uglum. Uh, we are going to just kind of go give you a deep dive today into the first two picks that uh, the Packers made this past weekend. Um, obviously, they had two first round picks, did a little bit of moving around in the first round, um, but we're going to jump right into those guys. So, Ross, uh, hope you had a good weekend, man. We uh, A lot went on this weekend. You had the two major shows, the movie, the Game of Thrones, and the draft. So, I almost feel like I kind of woke up from a coma, and getting back to work today was kind of a weird feeling because it was something I didn't even think about at all the last three days. But, Ross, how was, uh, how was your Monday, man, after draft week? It's a rough one, man. It's, uh, it's a come down for sure, uh, but busy. It's always
0: good to stay busy, and that's what we've been doing. Um, got the player comp piece out. That's been going on since two thousand and fourteen, so it's uh, been a lot of draft classes now that that have uh you know my immediate reaction player comparison and it's kind of fun to go through the years and see ones I kind of got right and ones that I got wrong and, and you know doing comps is such a optimistic thing anyway because you're always gonna compare guys to you know somebody that the average fan is gonna actually have heard of um you're not you're not gonna you know you're not gonna compare draftees to fringe roster guys in the league that you have to be a giant football nerd to even know uh who they are. So there's some pretty pretty spot on uh comparisons and then there's some pretty major whiffs as you as you go back uh th- throughout the years. So getting that thing ready, um watching a lot of Yash uh, Nijman um also kind of getting into the, the Dexter Williams a side of things as long as well as uh, as Ty Summers and and just kind of working my way through the the film on the guys that I haven't been able to pay a lot of attention to, but uh, yeah, that's you know you 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 work and you work and you work and watch this stuff as much as you can uh, to try and and basically fill this football void that if we're being real with ourselves is you know it's going to be there till late July.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Um, Ty Summers, I know he's not our guy that we're going to talk about today, but I like him. I thought he was uh, he was a pleasant surprise from, you know, they do these lottery-type tip picks in the seventh round. They'd, the last two years, they've taken absolute freaks at the linebacker position. But I think Ty Summers is a lot further along as far as a football player. Um, but like I said, that's just a nugget. We don't need to talk about them. We're going to talk about two guys today. And that is Rashawn Gary, the edge from Michigan, and Darnell Savage, the safety from Maryland. Uh, their numbers came out today. If uh, you've been living under a rock, you didn't probably didn't see that. Um, but if you haven't heard, uh, Rashawn Gary is going to go ahead and wear number 52. Uh, Clay Matthews actually just tweeted out at the Packers that, you know, he said, the body's not even cold yet. Yeah, so it's, she's kind of making a joke about that, so... That's good that he's got a good attitude about it, but they did give him Clay's old number. And then uh, Darnell Savage War number 26 is what he's going with. A lot of people disappointed that he did not go with the 21 Savage uh, opportunity that he had, but he went with 26. So Ross Rashawn Gary, uh, pick 12 rolls around, a lot of good players on the board, a lot of players that I know you and I were both really high on for the Packers. Um, And we're not going to dwell on that. I think I'm just going to say, you know, Rashawn Gary was the pick. That's who they picked. I think you and I both would have probably picked someone else. Um, You know, Brian Burns was still on the board. Montez Sweat was still on the board. Uh, But the pick was Rashaun Gary, Michigan. What was your initial reaction to that, Ross? Just uh, kind of shock, really.
0: Um, They've done an exceptional job the last two off seasons of completely hiding, uh, you know, what was going on there. I I think, uh, I I mean, I don't think I know I look back and there wasn't a single mock draft Monday that I did, nor could I really find anybody else's mock draft Monday uh, or mock draft, excuse me, that had Gary to the Packers at 12. It just wasn't, wasn't discussed. It wasn't talked about. It wasn't a thing. Uh, you know, that, that that many people were were thinking about uh, moving into the draft. There were guys, you know, with uh, the Hawkinson. That was my pick. That was my guess. The, the, that obviously couldn't happen because Detroit selected him, you know, before um, before Green Bay would have had a chance to. But you saw the Hawkinson. You saw any number of offensive linemen, whether it's Juwan Taylor, um, uh, Andre Dillard was a very popular one. Jonah Williams, you know, was was popular there as well. And then, you know, you talk about uh, the the rushers. Whether it's a, a Brian Burns was popular. Ed Oliver was was always kind of a pipe dream, but probably got closer to that pick than uh, you know you thought. And then it, it just never really occurred that the Packers would take another one of these six foot four. 270 pound, you know, four three defensive end basically. And and they did. They they took Gary. Um I, I just was was blown away and obviously devastated uh just because I had put so much effort into uh scouting and really, you know, going out on a limb on Brian Burns and, and making him a top five player in the class and Arguing his merits with, with different guys and, and then to see him really, in my opinion, be the last, you know, true elite. And, and I had Noah Fant up there as well, but I, I, I just, I couldn't really ever reconcile Fant at, at 12. Uh, but Burns at 12, I think was the ideal pick, the one that, uh, made the most sense and, and would have honestly, uh, as insane as it sounds, I mean, this would be an A plus draft for me. Um, if it would have been Burns at 12, if, if you give me Burns, Savage, Jenkins, Sternberger
1: and Kiki, I'm I'm just jacked. Yeah. And, you know, it's always easy looking back at these things and it always looks more clear and more obvious when you do look back at it. And it's just, you know, Brian Gutekind loves athletes, loves them. And when you look at the types of players they brought in in free agency for that edge position, Rashawn Gary is that guy, you know, and, and it's almost silly to look back on and say, why were none of us in on Rashawn Gary? Why did none of us think that could that really could be the pick? You know, and, wh- and it's just, you know, like I said, looking back on it, you know, Rashawn Gary was probably a top five athlete in this draft class, you know, pound for pound, just a freak of a human. And and maybe and maybe, you know, Brian Gutekinds is, is drafting athletes to a fault in this particular situation. Um, but let's talk about Rashawn Gary. Let's talk about, you know, we, we can talk until the cows come home about who we would have preferred them to pick at the 12th you know, overall spot. But Rashawn Gary is the guy that that we got. And he's a packer and he's someone I'm going to root like hell that he is a really good player. And I hope that Brian Gudikins made the right choice. Um, And I'm going to trust that he did, you know, but so talk to me, you know, as you go through watching Rashawn Gary, tell me about, you know, what, what stands out to you um, just in general about him, be it positive or negative Ross. Lack of pressure, lack of production
0: uh, would be the main negative. Uh, But then after listening to, you know, Goody talk and really watching him play, and, and and kind of reading some of the stuff that Jim Nagy said about him, I, I do buy it a little bit. Um, he he was taking on a guy and a half, sometimes two, one time three uh, that I that I charted. But uh, the the scheme really did have him as is more of that left end over the tight end. Uh, a lot of crashing the C gap and barreling into both the tackle and the guard. And, and that that's not to say that there weren't one on ones that I wish he would have you know, made the play, and, and and honestly, it's not that there aren't more disruptive interior rushers than he is, but I, I, I just, I get it, and um, it doesn't change my eval of him, uh, 30th best player in this draft, which, you know, is it's not that he sucks. That's, that's never been the point. That's not what, you know, this was about. It was just that, you know, my fourth best player in the draft was available, and then they went with number 30. Uh, he projects athletically to be a, basically a hall of famer. I mean, that's his level of, of physical skill. Uh, but, but then there's, you know, the unproductive from a, from a statistical and from a pressure standpoint, and that's really, I think what worries me more than anything is just the lack of pressures. Uh, you, you, you're, if you're a smart pass rush evaluator, you scout pressure, not necessarily sacks, uh, Pressure eventually becomes sacks of, as guys become unrefined, as, as frankly, um, just as their luck grows. As dumb as that sounds, it's, it's actually true. And I just didn't see consistent pressure out of out of Gary. So um, while I understand that the scheme-specific stuff that, that Goot talked about and that Jim Nagy talked about, um, it hasn't really moved me off of my uh, evaluation of him, which is just that, he, he's a, he's a first round pick. That's what he is, and um, I thought they had a chance to take like an elite guy, uh, with you know having the twelfth overall pick in the draft, some you know a level they don't normally get to pick at that high. And and uh, lo and behold, you know, they they just kind of got a, a guy that I I think you would have expected, and 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 probably not honestly because the forecasters, like you look at Brugler, you look at Jeremiah, you look at the guys that actually have NFL connections. They all ranked him 12th, 11th, 15th, 10th, 9th, um, whatever it was. And and it was a guy I would have taken at 20, but maybe a guy that wouldn't have even been available.
1: Yeah. And one thing that stands out to me about him is, you know, the legendary defensive coordinator, Don Brown, um, that's at Michigan right now, you know, spoke, and, and just to set the table for you, he is not a blow smoke type of guy. He will tell you exactly what he thinks about his players. He talks about how Rashawn Gary, it could legitimately be one of the best players that he's ever coached. And they did ask him to kind of be that block eater in, in, in their scheme. With that said, Ross, I agree with you. There are times that you then watch him and say, well, okay, but he's not getting doubled every time. And when he is, he gets a one on one matchup, he's not dominating like a, a guy with those tools should. Now, the hope the biggest I hope I have for him, and and Andy actually talked about this on yesterday's podcast, the biggest hope I have for him is Mike Smith. And you talked about you know D Ford, Chris Jones, Justin Houston. Those guys all really developed very well under him. And going back and listening to D Ford talk about his relationship with Mike Smith, one of the things that really stood out to me were not only the coaching aspect of, you know, working on your fundamentals, working on, you know, what your pass, pass rush plan will be, because honestly, Rashawn Gary. Typically doesn't look like he has a plan at all when he's rushing the passer. He's kind of just trying to out athlete everybody every single time. And that's just not he already saw that didn't fly in the Big Ten. That's not gonna be able to that's not gonna fly at all in the NFL. So yes, Mike Smith is gonna have to work on him with his fundamentals, but also the biggest thing is his plan, his plan of attack of how he's going to attack NFL offensive tackles. And to loop this back to what D Ford was talking about, he basically just kind of said you know, Mike Smith was so pivotal, pivotal in his development because he could sit down with him, and they would just absolutely dissect the offensive tackles that they were an an interior line for Chris Jones. They would just sit down and just break those guys down and make a plan every single week of how they are going to attack opposing offensive lines. And if you look at the results, I mean, the Chiefs last year with those three guys before they traded and cut, you know, two thirds of them. They, they led the league in sacks last year. D Ford is one of the most disruptive pass rushers in the NFL last year. And he gives full credit to Mike Smith, who just so happens to be a huge hiring for the Packers. So Rashawn Gary is the biggest ball of clay in this edge class. You know, you can talk about his lack of production, and quite frankly, Ross, like you said, it's it's pretty much impossible to argue against it. He wasn't productive. He was not as productive as you would expect, a number one overall recruit. And not just like by rivals, like every single major recruiting department that we're all familiar with, they had Rashawn Gary as the guy, the number one guy coming out in that class. I mean, the types of tools that you look at and say, like Mario Williams went number one overall, they're comparable athletes. They are not that far off. And Rashawn Gary has those tools, but it's going to be, can Mike Smith get that stuff out of him? And so that's, I'm going to put my eggs in that basket and just say, you know, Mike Smith, if you're everything that people have said you are, here is this guy as, as raw as they come as, as talented as they come, go turn this into a stud for us. And it's funny, Ross, you actually, you just, um, you know, so first of all, if you haven't checked it out, Ross has got a really awesome thread on both these guys we're going to talk about today. And what, what I really appreciate about appreciate about it, Ross, is you're honest. It's not just a bunch of highlight plays. It's Ross going through these guys and, and really pointing out things about these players, good and bad things that they need to improve on things that they do well, um, but one thing you you also had a thread going of your Madden highlights of these guys, and this is way far off base, but I'm just gonna say it because I thought it when I saw it. That big number fifty two coming off the edge looked like Khalil Mack to me on Madden, <laughs> on Madden, mind you. But that might be. I mean, is it is it too far off to say, Ross? If if Rashawn Gary hits, if if he if he is a swing for the fences and they knock it, they knock it out of the ballpark. Is he potentially a Khalil Mack type pass rusher? Probably not a
0: Khalil Mack type pass rusher. Uh, If you guys had a chance to get over to cheese, said TV and check out my player comps, I think the, the, the number one guy that you could hope and pray for with, with uh, uh, Rashawn is, is Cam Jordan. And, uh, Cameron Jordan is a guy that has been in the top five of pro football focuses, uh, edge rankings. A lot of that has to do with the fact that he's really good against a run, you know, so he grades out well on every play, not just on, on pass, uh, passing downs. He's been at least a, I think a top six and maybe even a top five player for them individually in each season for the past three. So you're, you're, you know, that's kind of your, your upside, uh, as far as play style and, and, and just a guy that both of them are long, uh, athletic freaks. But the one thing that they're kind of lacking when, when you go through everything is, is that bend. Is that ability to, to drop down you know, with the shoulder, start kind of you know running around a hula hoop, uh, getting low and, and flattening to the quarterback. But not every pass rusher has to flatten to the quarterback. You think Reggie White flattened to the quarterback over and over again? No. He mangled people and threw receivers into quarterbacks and, and, and had his hump move and his club move. And, and while I love bendy pass rushers, uh, bendy pass rushers are not the only thing that works. And so I think that's what you're kind of looking for. Another guy that I've seen a comp that I don't hate is, uh, is Everson Griffin. I think that there are some similarities there as well. Uh, both guys really kind of profile as a four, three defensive end, but we, we live in a, we live in a, a, a five defensive back world now. I mean, nickel is base. Uh, everyone runs a four man line, even three, four teams run a four man line. I know that sounds ridiculous, but you know, you're, you're either running a four, two nickel or you're running a two, four nickel. It's all, it's all the same stuff. And, and, uh, so, this this can he you know play outside backer thing is is largely irrelevant um the reason i keep saying they should bring in a, a true outside linebacker a three four outside linebacker is, is far more about body type and play style than it is about position where they actually line up i want a speed guy uh to kind of balance out all these power guys and i just want a different plan of attack uh because preston and and zadarius smith and and Frankly, Rashawn Gary kind of all seemed to bring the same thing to the table. Now, if that just means the pockets collapsing on it every play, who the hell cares?
1: Yeah, and I love that you brought up the Cam Jordan comp. That's actually so the, for the Chiefs, the the Casey Chiefs draft guide that I did. My buddy Matt Lane did Rashawn Gary's write up, and that was his comp for him as well. So that's oh, a pretty cool. popular one, um, and I think it's a good. I think it's a really good comp as well, um, but. So we talk about, and I think it's important though too, Ross. So a lot of people have talked about how they've they've basically said you know they're underwhelmed with this pick, but I think it's it's important. I think what gets lost in this is Rashawn Gary right now. I think he his projection is as a pass rusher. That's where you want to see more. But to me, as as far as in the run game, Rashawn Gary is very good right now, and it's just kind of the whole. Well, why would you take? a guy he can set he can set a hard edge that i don't think there's any question about that i think the question is okay so why would you take a guy that's better in the run game right now at 12 you know with that projection um but i think a lot you know a lot of people being disappointed in this pick that that fact gets kind of lost in the shuffle a little bit that he's he's a pretty good run defender as is right now and i think he's going to come in um and kind of be a guy that's going to be able to 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 get some stops and get some TFLs and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it looks like they're going to play him at outside linebacker. But Ross, in your opinion, just of what, of how you watched him and, and his skill um, how do you think that that fits? How do you think he fits into green base three, four? Um, and how, how would you use him if you were Mike Pettin? You know, I think he'll just rotate with
0: Zadarius Smith. I think they're the same player. Um, as far as this scheme is concerned, I think you'll probably see him on the strong side defensive end m- more often than not. Or, the you know, the six tech um, where you would play that in, in, in that kind of front where you're head up on a tight end if one's there. You're on the outside shoulder of a tackle if one isn't. Um, I just I don't know. I, I think that's where you see him on early downs and then you kick him inside. And, and then you let him rush with Mike Daniels or rush with Kenny Clark or rush with Montrevious Adams, you're bringing Fackrell and, uh, and Preston Smith off the edge, and, you know, it's a, it's a race to the quarterback, and that's a situation, too, where you're going to have Rashawn and Zadarius probably do a little bit of outside rushing, too, because unless you're going to go full NASCAR package all the time, which was a capers concept, not really a patent concept. Uh, you're you're going to have to have either Kenny or Mike on the field on passing downs. You just you just are, and um, you know Fackrell is going to play, and and that's fine. I mean, he had ten and a half sacks last year. Um, I think you might see some regression there, especially if he's not going to do any better than twenty six or twenty seven hurries. But I, I said at the beginning of the year, if uh, Fackrell is your edge three, you're all right. And if he's your edge four, you're doing backflips. Well, they went and got three edges that you would probably put above Kyler on the uh, depth chart. And and for right now, it's probably Zedarius and then Preston and then Kyler and then Rashawn. But they're not really in the same stratosphere from an expectation standpoint and from a potential standpoint.
1: Yeah, and Ky- and Kyler, you know, you talk about the speed rusher. He's the closest thing that they would have to someone being different you know coming off the bench and you know you're just pounding pounding, pounding the whole game and then here comes kyler fackrell that you know that can cause trouble for offensive tackles to um you'll see those guys you know kind of overset and do different things because they're trying to you know adjust for that so you know that's something that will be interesting to keep an eye on um but i'm with you with kyler fackrell God, the, his uh pressure to sack ratio was unreal <laughs> last year so um, to expect that again would be kind of a pipe dream. And I hope he does it. You know, he's proven us wrong before in the past, uh, like really wrong in the past. So hopefully he continues to do that. Some guys just kind of have that knack. Um, but that's, so that's Rashawn Gary. And, uh, you know, we're going to, he'll be an interesting one to follow as we go throughout camp. I know expectations are going to be sky high for him, especially because a lot of Packers fans are probably ready to jump all over that pick if he doesn't come in and show promise right away um and and rightfully so he's the 12th overall pick that's kind of comes that's kind of part of the deal is of going that high uh so the second pick that they had in the first round you know it was originally the 30th overall uh but brian you know goody called his old buddy up schneider in seattle and two years in a row they move up with seattle um in the draft this year they had to give up Uh, both fourth-round draft picks, to move up nine spots to 21. And they took uh, a safety named Darnell Savage out of Maryland. And, Ross, Darnell Savage, I don't think a lot of people expected to go that high. And when he was first called, just like with Rashawn Gary, what was your initial response, your initial reaction to the Darnell Savage pick? That one was was less negative. Uh, Darnell is a
0: guy that I clumped together uh, with, you know, my top safeties, and and really basically had no um, separation there. Uh, I'm trying to pull up my um, big board and and take a look at where I had them ranked. I had Juan Thornhill as the top safety, and he was you know 14th on on the Packers big board but then safety two safety three and safety four were 21 22 and 23 and and so basically if you're not going to take one and it's fine that they didn't and they clearly established that Darnell for them was safety one well then if you're asking me safety one 14 right right between Devin White and and Jonah Williams so if you take the Packers opinion over mine and you should, you know, that's kind of where that value was. So that's a plus seven value for me. Um, as it was, it was really only a minus two value, which, you know, you're going to take that in, a, in a, during a, you know, in a time where I've seen them take Richard Rodgers in the third round or uh, shoot, I just watched them take Rashawn Gary with a, you know, negative 19 value. So this was not a big issue because, I didn't have a ton of separation between the safeties um, after watching him. And, and I know we, we all kind of fall prey to this occasionally, which is like you just talk yourself into guys because they're Green Bay Packers now and you're going to support them. Um, but what, what I will say is the eight guys that I've had a chance to watch, there are two of them that I, I screwed up. That's on me. Um, I needed to be higher on Kingsley, Kiki, and, and, and definitely Darnell Savage. I was too low. On um, both players after a rewatch, um, Darnell is is incredible. He, he really is. He plays at a different speed than everybody else on the field, and we're talking about in the Big Ten. You know, we're, we're not we're not talking about uh, you know the Missouri Valley Football Conference or the MAC or the Mountain West. You know, this is Big Ten football, and these may not be the fastest athletes in the world, but these are still guys that are getting taken in the first round. Um, they're, they're still you know, Ohio state shoot. I don't know. Did they have nine guys drafted, <laughs> you know, uh, these, and, and these are games that he's dominating and, uh, he lost a lot of games in Maryland. There's no question about it. But at the same time, uh, he was the best player on the field for his team Saturday in Saturday out. And oftentimes, frankly, I felt like he was the best player on the field when, you know, when, when, uh, Maryland was, you know, playing these Ohio states and, and Iowa's and Michigan's and Minnesota's, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, he was just a blur and an extremely physical tackler. I hope he can stay healthy because he, at times it appeared that he was not, um, entirely concerned with his own well being, which sometimes, uh, sometimes happens. And, uh, I, I just came away so impressed with him. I thought, really, um, one of the things that blew me away. So I'm going to pull up something from uh, Pro Football Focus here, and it it's uh, not not a thing to you know argue with. A lot of the Pro Football Focus stuff is like, oh, they don't know how to grade. Well, this this is literally just saying where he lined up. 332 snaps in the slot. 147 snaps at strong safety, 90 snaps at free safety, 90 snaps at linebacker, uh, 11 snaps at, at corner, you know, a true corner, and seven snaps as an edge pass rusher, which of course would be probably on blitz downs. 332 slot snaps. Uh, that that really provides some options for this Packers secondary, especially um, if they you know believe in Raven Green or they go out and acquire Trey Boston, uh, or another deep safety, they certainly can play Darnell at free. That, that's a possibility. But, man, uh, if he can play nickel, and you know you have Jair and Tremont, or Jair and Kevin King outside, and maybe you you, you know have Josh Jackson in kind of a, a similar role where you rotate between nickel and free, and you have Adrian Abel you can really, really, really disguise so many things about what you're doing. Um, Petton, man, between his front seven and his back seven, if, if, if you will, uh, the only guy that really can only play one spot is Blake Martinez,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, which is insane.
1: And, you know, it's to kind of to back up in the conversation a little bit i thought it was really interesting uh, that you know we had talked about how we thought this was a pretty say or a pretty deep safety class Go- Goody did not agree with that because he even came out and said this was really their guy this was a guy that they thought if they didn't get the safety class really dropped off and he talked about how he knew for a fact he was not going to be there at 30 so clearly they really loved Darnell Savage. And I, you know, I, I I'm with them. I, Darnell kind of came to me late in the process. He was a later watch for me, but he was probably one of my top five favorite guys I watched in this class. And meaning his tape is fun. His tape is just so much fun. I, one, I really like watching safeties anyways, and there's just a certain innate uh, net ability that, I just, you just, you just can't coach it. And that's just the ability for these guys that just fly onto the screen and cut ball carriers down when they have the ball in their hands. They look like a running back. I mean, when I watch Darnell Savage and we talked about this a little bit, and I heard you even talk about this too, Russ. He, He does. He reminds me of Nick Collins to a degree. And that's someone that they have not had on the back end really sense Nick Collins went. And one thing that's really fun about Darnell Savage, I would I would advise against just watching a guy's highlight tape. But when you do watch Darnell Savage's highlight tape, count how many times he gets in the end zone. You know, when you go watch Nick Collins' highlight tape, count how many times he gets in the end zone. The guy's a playmaker. It, when he has the ball in his hands, he's looking to put it in the paint. And that's what I really like about him. I love, like you said, too, he, he just flies around the field. It is concerning that he's a little bit smaller, but he's got that attitude. He's got that alpha male attitude. And I, for one, I am so excited to watch him and Jair work together, just because last year Jair was kind of the same in the sense of he's just a really fun guy to watch play football. And Darnell Savage is in that similar mold of just all the swag, all of it. And so those two together, I I just I can picture them just feeding off of each other. Um, and one thing that was really fun about Jair last year was how contagious that is, and how you could see some of the other defenders starting to kind of play with that swag that he brought to the team. And now they just add another guy that has that similar mentality, and it's going to be fun if if these guys hit like you said, Ross. They got guys, they got bodies that, you know, Kevin King stays healthy. Holy cow. They that's that's a that's a really good opposite corner outside of Jair. If Josh Jackson takes a step, that's a re- that okay, so you got another cover guy. Tony Brown was p- promising his rookie year. Now you're adding Darnell Savage on the back end. You have the makings of a really like you t- like you talked about a really versatile, fast, aggressive playmaking defense. Something that frankly Green Bay has not had since 2010 when they won a Super Bowl. And so that's what's exciting to me is how the types of guys that they're going after and to to talk to you too ross about about how he's going to be used it on film and it's interesting i didn't know those stats that you said it's interesting he only played 90 snaps at free safety because right now currently i would say that's probably the probably the least ready spot I think he is to play. If I have one critique about him is that he can be a little bit over aggressive. He can kind of sometimes, you know, take the cheese on some of those uh some of those double moves and those play action passes where he will get caught and a guy will get over the top of him. So that's the position that I think he will need to grow into a little bit more and, you know, the natural position that you would think he would play potentially might be that free safety for Give me your thoughts on that. I'd love to hear um, what you think uh, uh, Savage is going to play his rookie year primarily.
0: Well, and that's something that, that Amos uh, Adrian Amos said to a fan about, um, you know, kind of what position he'll play. As you said in most NFL defenses and uh, you best believe the Patton scheme is one of those defenses. You you, you basically play both um, free and strong are almost misnomers now. Not necessarily when the ball is snapped, but as far as you know who's playing what, it's it's not usually the Seattle style. So the Seattle style is obviously cover three shell. Earl's always free. Cam is always smashing people in the face. You don't really get that darn near anywhere else. Um, I, I, You know, some of the teams that Boston has been on have have tried to keep him, you know, as a free safety type of, of player. But you look at Packers films the last couple of years, and you'll see HaHa in the box. Uh, you'll see HaHa deep middle. Um, you know, you see Bryce deep middle when all you think about that guy is a thumper. And that's what you're going to see with the Packers. And so it'll be interesting to me whether they decide that the safeties are Tremont and Amos or or Savage and Amos. And I know that sounds nuts, but... Um, 330 slot snaps for for Darnell Savage. Do not forget that. Um, I, I know they called him their top safety. They've only ever used the word safety to describe him, and I think they want him to be a safety. But there are just so many different things that Tremont is capable of doing at you know a we're not screwed type of level, which is important, um, especially if you're bringing a guy like Savage along that, Boy, if, if, if he is uh, you know, up in Taylor Gabriel's face on one play, blitzing the next play, and then playing deep third on the play after that, it's just going to get so difficult to identify these guys, period. But long-term, I think you get to a place where Amos and Savage are your, your long-term safety tandem. Because, you know, people – yeah, Amos played for the Bears – But this was after his first contract. He's 25 years old. This is not some cagey vet that they went out and got in free agency. Uh, They got a guy for his second contract. Period. One of the better safeties in the league, and safeties can play. You know, he he might get an extension. You know, if he plays the way that he's capable of, Um, you you could see. A a two or three year deal on top of this four year deal, and of course you hope that Savage gets a you know a second contract, and as a first round pick that would mean you know an extension after his fifth year. So your your hope is that these guys are playing the 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 free strong strong free free strong in a in a petting scheme for a long time moving forward. And honestly, it's it's something the Packers just never quite got because. By the time Morgan Burnett was ready to play with Nick Collins, Nick Collins' career was over. And I I just don't know that Ha-Ha and Morgan ever got to that level. Um, Certainly not the level that Amos and Savage are are capable of, frankly, because Savage and Ha-Ha are not comparable athletes. Darnell is a much better athlete than than Ha-Ha. And, frankly, Adrian Amos is a much better athlete than Burnett.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, I'm excited about Darnell Savage. I think he's probably the guy that I'm – no, he's not. But he's up there with guys that I'm most excited about. Um, but, got, Ross, that's all we got for today. Those are our first – the Packers' first two picks. Before I let you go, though, give me, uh, you know, just briefly, what what was your favorite pick from this last weekend for the Packers?
0: Uh, it's real close between Jay Sternberger and Kingsley Kiki. I I think Kingsley, if you – get that kid back to where he was as a sophomore and junior and just say, look, we're not going to play you outside of a five tech. You're going to be playing three. Um, You're going to be playing on the nose. You're going to be rushing the passer from the inside, forget everything they made you do your senior year. I think in 2019, you probably see a little bit of a transition year from him, but in 2020, I see a six sack interior defensive lineman, and I know that's nuts, but I I really do. And Jace Sternberger, that kid, hot damn! Go look at my thread on Jace. Um, I think if he would have been an eight RAS guy, he would have been the second tight end taken. I I really believe that. Uh, Man, he's something else. I, I and this is going to sound like super biased and super obvious and that I'm an idiot, but after the rewatch, he should have been my, my third tight end. And, of course, you're going to be like, well, yeah, because your third tight end is the guy that the Vikings took, so now you're going to say he sucks. No, it's not the point. I, I got caught in a little bit with Irv Smith Jr. of consensus, and consensus was the Iowa tight ends and then ISJ, and that was like nobody was really arguing about that. And I watched, and, and, and you can see there's a sizable gap. And, and it happened with Mac Wilson and inside linebacker, too. Two linebackers, huge gap, Mac Wilson. Tight ends is the same way. Two tight ends, huge gap, then Herb Smith Jr., then Jace, and then Dawson Knox. And while I still think there should have been a significant gap, maybe not as significant, but a significant gap between the Iowa tight ends and tight end three, after that rewatch, man – Jace is a Dallas Goddard level tight end prospect in the sense that he was not asked to be an exceptional blocker in college, but the tools are there. And you really saw Goddard take that part of his game to the next level in his second, you know, uh, in, in, in his professional career, as opposed to what he did at South Dakota State. And I think Jay Sternberger has the ability to do that exact same thing, which is, to learn how to be a wide tight end because these detached tight ends, flex tight ends, your Evan Ingram's, they have value. And I think Jace would have value as that kind of player. But I I think with just a little bit of work with with Matt LaFleur and and with the tight ends coach, they really can, I think, make him a a, a true threat in all ways. And that means – you know, being at least an average blocker, because that guy is not an average receiver. He was pro football Focus's number one tight end in the country. That's over Noah Fant, over TJ Hawkinson, over Irv Smith, over everybody from just a receiving grade standpoint. And it showed up on film. And that is the baddest MF I have seen after the catch in a tight end in three classes.
1: Yeah. And that's, I don't know if I said it on this show or if I said it on one of the Arrowhead Pride pre-draft shows, but before the Combine, I mean, I was, you know, Sternberger was one of my guys throughout this whole process. Just a guy that, and honestly, I think anyone that watched his film, you're just like, holy cow, who is this dude? You know, because you really kind of arrived on the scene out of nowhere. I mean, for goodness sakes, they had him at, at KU, you know, the powerhouse KU Jayhawks is where he got recruited to play football. For the love of God, they had him move from tight end to DN for a few weeks because they were going to play him there. And he transfers, goes to JUCO route, blows up at Texas A&M. But before the combine, I honestly thought he would test similar to Noah Fant, just when you watch him on tape. He does not look like an average athlete at all. And in fact, I even went as far to say he was my tight end too before the combine. And I I got a lot of crap for that from, from some of the Arrowhead Pride guys. And I still do. Because they don't think he, he's Noah Fant good, but I think they're wrong because I, I do. I think he is. I think on tape, he's just that dude. He is that guy. I think his routes are the best for the tight end. I mean, even I think he runs better routes than Hawkinson right now. And I think as far as that big slot option, if you want to get, you know, the argument was well, if you want a big slot, take Hakeem Butler. My thing was, well, if I want a big slot, I'm gonna take Jay Sternberger because I think he can play there right now, and I agree with you. I think he can, I think he can be a block, a, a fine blocking tight end. People forget he's not some 6'4", 235 move tight end. The dude's a legit two fifty. Like he can get there. Um, and this doesn't need to turn into the Jay Sternberger show, so I could talk about him for an hour. Uh, but the other guy, Kiki King uh, Kingsley Kiki, at the Senior Bowl. He was someone that just kept showing up. And at the senior bowl, they played him inside again. And I remember sitting in the Exos film room where they let, you know, all the all the credential people can go in there and you can basically watch the coaches film from from practice. And there was and it was the Baltimore Ravens scouting department or some guys from their scouting department were sitting to the left of me and just kept talking about Kingsley. Kept talking about this guy and basically what exactly what you just said, Ross. How what was AM doing playing him outside? Look how natural he looks on the inside. I mean, he went through phases of being absolutely unblockable that week, and you know, he's going up against guys, um, that frankly were drafted higher than him on that interior offensive line in this draft class. So I'm with you 100% on that one. Uh, my, you know, I would put Savage in that same class, but those three guys are probably my three favorite from this class: Savage, Kingsley, and Stern. So, um, really fun draft class. Really excited about it. I love that they gave Jay Sternberger number eighty-seven. I don't know why. I <laughs> part of me, I think numbers matter, man. I think they do. <laughs> if you get a stupid number, I don't think you're very good. Um, like I couldn't stand. I, this is not an Andy Benoit take, but. I could not stand watching Ty Montgomery. We're number eighty-eight. Anyways, we're gonna get off that train because this show's over. We got nothing else to talk about. Thank you, Ross, for joining me. We'll actually be back next week on Tuesday as well, and then we will get back into our you know our regular scheduled programming, our off-season type work where it's Ross and I every other week. Um, appreciate all the follow, all the new followers, all the listeners throughout this draft season. It's been so much fun. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening along and uh we'll anxiously wait July when we start getting some uh off real offseason news. But until then, go pack up. Shotgun formation of third and fifteen to the 46-yard line of Dallas. They empty the shotgun. Cobb in motion to the left side. Rogers looks it over, gets the snap.
0: back pedals now under some pressure. Steps up, throws it over the middle. 30! Turns up field, 25, cutting right to the
1: Touchdown! Rogers looks it over, Starts to his left, now he moves Starts to the right side, snap to A-Rod, looking downfield, being flushed, rolling left, winds up, rainbows it high and deep into the end zone, it's high what He is caught for a touchdown! Yes! A yeah, for
0: the end zone! Can you believe it? One kick away from the NFC Championship game from the
1: 41. Left pass mark. 51 yards. Field goal attempt. Snap. Placement. Kick to the upright. And it is right down yes. the